Hey guys, welcome back to Hospitality TV. Thank you for watching. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, one of the original pioneers in San Diego fine dining. Uh, one of the first, if not the first, to bring it to our beautiful city. Um, currently the owner of two locations in San Diego, one downtown in Minkers Hill, uh, the beautiful Mr. A's restaurant, possibly one of the best dining views in the city. And two, where we are today, um, nestled away in Rancho Santa Fe, the beautiful Mille Fleur. So, Mr. Bertrand, how are you today, sir? How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Great to have you in. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. So, um, I had the pleasure of meeting you a couple months back. We were doing a lunch here with Doug Schaefer, and you know, I was really enthralled by a lot of the stories that you were telling between uh, yourself and Doug about the old days in San Diego. And I thought, man, I have to talk to this guy. I got to get a feel for... Um, how our scene was built here and you're definitely one of the pioneers in doing that um can you tell us a little bit how you got into this crazy beautiful business of restaurants well, and that, hospitality a, that is a long story but uh, <laughs> to, to, to make it a, a short story i was actually I have a degree in economics and uh, from the university of toulouse and when i left college i had no idea what to do and conquer of circumstances i my mom saw an ad that a big bank, the Crédit Agricole, was looking for graduates to study banking procedures in North America. So I applied and they gave me a grant to go and, and study. My first stop was University of Toronto. And uh, well, I had an English, uh, high school English and a little bit of college English, which of course translated to not be able to say a word. I couldn't understand anything. So anyhow, after a while, I, I couldn't even go to college because I couldn't understand what the professor was saying. So I, I had to learn English and therefore not going to college. I was like, I, I started working as a busboy in a restaurant. Then I became a waiter. Actually, I became a bartender first. So this was 1971. And 1972, I moved to Washington, D.C. for Georgetown University to further the, the classes. At that point, I was a bona fide waiter. I presented myself as a full-on waiter, and I was able to get a job in, at the time, the best restaurant in D.C., which was called, the name of it was Rive Gauche. And, <clears throat> and then I had several good customers, including one who was an accountant who had dual offices. His name is Norman Eisenberg, and he had an office in D.C. and an office in La Jolla. And as we were talking, he said, uh, Bertrand, you don't even like banking, you know? I mean, you love what you're doing here. And I said, absolutely, I really would like to own a restaurant. He said, I'll tell you what, let's go back to La Jolla. There are no fresh restaurants in La Jolla. Bring a chef and we'll open a restaurant. I'll get to investors and I'll give you all the money. So I came down and in uh, November, again, shortening the whole thing, in 1973, November of 73, I opened a place called Le Côte d'Azur in La Jolla, which is 1250 Prospect, which is, was right at the time next to the Bratskeller, which is now George at the Cove, and it's now The Hague. And, uh, but anyway, so that was 1973 through 75, and uh, so that was my first venture in the business. I had 18 investors, and I wasn't too happy with that, so in 75, we sold and I kept two investors and I opened a place called Mon Ami in Solana Beach, almost across from the racetrack on Highway 101. And that was the beginning of the, of the fine dining venture there. I had a chef by the name of Vincent Grumel, who unfortunately is dead now, but, uh, and so we opened that restaurant and 
you know, it was uh, we were immediate acclaim. There were not that many rest French restaurants at the time. There was a place called Chez Françoise, which was in uh, on La Jolla Boulevard in La Jolla, and uh, La Chaumine in Pacific Beach, and that was it. So, really, I was one of the first uh, here, you know, and and uh, then I, I kept one investor and I opened uh, Bertrand. Then on my own, I. Uh, then I went to La Méditerranée, where I was a partner, and then in 1980, I, bought a, I opened a place, I owned the property, I owned a, a, a place called, uh, well, we call it La Maison du Lac, and I opened a restaurant there in 1983, rather, and in 85, I was able to go on my own and buy Mille Fleurs, and in 99, uh, I, I bought Mr. Ace and reopening June of 2000, so that's a little, uh, that's you know, amazing. compressing uh, the What the was the scene line. like in La Jolla when you opened up that very first restaurant? Who well, I tell you, I was, it, I, I, I opened a bistro and we sold simple stuff, you know, but for 10 people that would go to the left at the Bratzkeller, which was a German restaurant sandwich, there'd be one that would come over to, uh, to Le Côte d'Azur uh, to have French food, it was hard. What I did have, though, had a strolling guitar player that sang Charles Navour and all those uh, French <laughs> songs. And so pretty much right away, we almost right away, we became a bar. And you know, when I had a, good, a bunch of good-looking young men waiters, and all of a sudden I had a bunch of good-looking ladies coming in, and you know, what happened then, you know, the guys come, and, but we were mostly a bar, and that was burning me up, because I mean, we were open lunch and dinner, and I was working 16 hour days, you know, going home, closing at 2 p.m., at 2 a.m., and reopening at 11 a.m. I mean, I was like a zombie. That's it's why yeah, I felt hours. I had to sell. It was like long hours. And frankly, all we could sell, I even had to put a burger on the menu. And it was a, it was the biggest joke because we had to, I refused to have ketchup, <laughs> stupidly at the time. We used to go next door to the Bratz Keller to, to get ketchup for the customer. And one day I got an order of 10 cases of ketchup at the back door, right off the lever, 10 cases of ketchup. I mean, what the hell is that? And I, all the staff of the Brad Skeller was going, you know. He ordered it for you? Yeah, they ordered it for me. <laughs> so I'm saying. curious, why why were you refusing to serve ketchup at the time? I took, you know, I thought a French restaurant, we don't have ketchup. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Stupidly, whatever. Well, it's okay. I think you stand up yeah. for what you believe well, in. Yeah, yeah but that, yeah, I changed my mind <laughs> after that. I said, maybe it'd be good that we use ketchup, you know? What so, was the, um, what type of beverage program did you have back then? Were you doing all French I wines? Had, were you, you know, doing I had cocktails? zero. I, I had zero idea. I, you know, I, I knew a little bit about wine from my time serving, serving uh, wine at, uh, you know, at in other the other restaurant. But my knowledge was totally limited. My wine lodge, knowledge happened at Monami. I was so lucky. We had a customer. It was a widower, and uh, that's another story. But anyways, every day the man would come six days a week, and he would order. He would let me order any bottle of wine. So, and then I changed red and white. And so I discovered French wines, which I had no idea. And I discovered great American wines because the price was no object. The man just wanted to, to try and I tried with him and, right. I, and we tried with him. And so that was that really, I mean, my education in those five years, I discovered Lafitte Latour. I come from a very humble family. My father was a small farmer, 10 acre farm. And my mom was a, 
professor of Latin and Greek. So, I mean, we, we drank house wine. I had no idea what those amazing wines were. And I was born near Cahors. They make, uh, it, it's now getting somewhat famous for the Malbecs. Malbec, sure. yeah. And That's uh, amazing. So they must have been very affordable, actually, to be able to drink Latour and Lafitte, maybe, comparatively, no. right, to what it is uh, now? Well, they were, uh, certainly were more affordable than now. Yeah. I mean, we were paying 30 bucks for a bottle of Lafitte. In, uh, for 75 Lafitte, I think we paid $35 a <laughs> bottle, which was, you know, going, wow, can you believe this? Right. Uh, we thought it was expensive, sure. you know. And at the time, we were paying 4 or $5 for California wines. Uh, even he, even in '85, I remember I was paying five dollars a bottle for Chocil Chardonnay, which was my house wine. Anyways, I, <laughs> I digress. But that's how I made my education. If every night, you know, I mean, Pouligny, Chassaigne, name it, whatever, whatever we thought the best was. Uh, in those days, David Bruce uh, Chardonnay was the Dr. David Bruce. It, it's no longer there. I mean, I th he saw us some wine. But that was an neck plus ultra of the of the California Chardonnay and Heights, of course, mm -hmm. was the, the neck plus ultra of the of the California cabs. But you know, Silver Oak came on, and I and I, I was able to meet all the the winemakers at the time because I was the number one restaurant, and we sold all these expensive wine. I mean, we sold a lot of wine. I saw a lot of wine. And they were at, coming at, down at here Monami. to see you in San Diego. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, well, I mean, this practice continues. I, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, wines. Wow. All these days. Wow. You know, and everything. That's amazing. One after the other. Anything that you're really excited about right now? 15 Any? Bordeaux and 15 Burgundies. Yep. 15 Bordeaux are amazing. Yeah. We just got our pre-sale a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so... How do you think those, I didn't know that you ordered, uh, that you opened up those other two restaurants in between uh, oh. the first one in La Jolla into, into this, into Mel Fleur. How oh, there were more, there were more. There were, there was, I'll give you chronologically, so there was uh, 1973 to 75 was Le Cote d'Azur in La Jolla. Mon Ami was in, in Solana Beach was 75 to seven, end of 79. Bertrand's was uh, 1980 to 81. Uh, and La Méditerranée was 81 to 83, La Maison du Lac was 83 to 85, and then I sold the property that was able to, to buy Millefleur with the proceeds. And so that's been 85 since then. What was, the, what was the media coverage for San Diego in that time like? Were there, because I've heard, I, I don't have a lot of experience going back, you know, 15, 20 years, but I've heard so many stories of it used to be really good and then it dived really hard and then we used to have a lot of coverage and Are it went away. Yes, we had a lot of coverage. I mean, I had a lot of coverage. The union was big. The reader had Eleanor Whitmer in those days. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's all gone. But David Nelson was a writer for the LA Times and he was covering San Diego. There was, I mean, there was, there was a lot of coverage. A lot of coverage. San Diego Magazine was a bona fide uh, was a bona fide magazine covering food. Now, thank God, we just got Troy Johnson, which is a great news because I think this guy really knows what he's doing and he understands the in and out of the business, not only the food but also the problem of ownerships. You know, via you know the, via labor and and things like this. Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of coverage at the time because it was interesting and there, was, we, there were few of us. There were so few of us, you know, that now there's a plethora. I mean, the, 
the scene has exploded with new restaurants, with young guys opening restaurants. And, you know, frankly, that has elevated the dining scene in, in San Diego, which was nothing. I mean, I, Wolfgang Puck is a dear friend of mine. And I, I was saying, I say, Wolfgang, why don't you come to San Diego? Say, All my people say, don't do it. It's meat and potatoes, you know, no interest of coming over here. Well, he was opening everywhere, pretty mm -hmm. much, you know? all the other city, I mean, us being the fifth largest city, and yet have absolutely zero, uh, zero, you know, gastronomic scene. It was terrible. Uh, actually, I, if I remember, in, in 1992, we became uh, top 25 in America. Bill Fong was named by Food and Wine magazine. I saw that, congratulations, yeah. that's amazing. That, that was very cool, but that was the first really recognized uh, time that San Diego was put on the dining scene. Then Vogue magazine came over and wrote a big article about Martin, I mean, the chef and I. Martin, by the way, uh, Martin Vosla has been the chef since 1985 here. Since day one. Since, not, not exactly day one. I came with another chef that said, you know, La Maison du Lac was a small place. I mean, the food was delicious because the chef was very talented. But he came here, so we're serving 30 people a night. That was a maximum of the deal. I came over here and all of a sudden, first night we do 80 dinner and the guy said, oh, this is not my deal. I don't want to serve any more than 30, 40 dinners. So I'm giving you a, a two, months, uh, two months notice of this. And through Wolfgang Puck, I found Martin, who, who didn't want to stay here. He didn't like LA, he was working in LA and he didn't like LA. He wanted to, to leave and Wolfgang brought him in. So that was, that was 1985, May 1985. Bertrand, I wanted to ask you about that because I've, I've heard that you have, you know, a very long retention in a lot of your managers and of course with your chef here has been for almost day one, but even like within the first year, over 30 years. I mean, that's, you know, it's really impressive. And I think companies or restaurants that are able to have this type of retention is, is you know, it's something to admire. What do you think? What do you think? How, how have you created that? Well, First of all, I, I like to pay them well, and I understand the game. You know, if you, you know, right now, people ask all the time, I, I, people in the kitchen, I can keep them. Because it, if they work in our kitchen for like, say, six months or a year, they immediately, and they could be just a line guy or garde manger, they immediately get hired by somebody else at a much higher salary, you know. So I know that to keep the key element, at least, I have to give the most money. At the time, I was well known and, you know, and I communicate, you know, I believe that communication is important and, uh, and a pat in the back helps too. But I am an exacting boss. I, I, I demand attention to detail is that I think that's one of the success, success of my, uh, um, in my profession. Um, yeah, the key people, they make good money. We are, we have the most wonderful customers, and especially here. This, we call it the hood. You know, I mean, you come over here. I've had Bruno, one of my captains, has, has worked for me since 1980. Wow. Marco, the Metro D, has been here for over 18 years. I have a piano, piano player in the, my, in the bar. He's been with me 25 years. <laughs> my bartender has been there 21 years. Wow. Uh, you, you know, it's a, and, and many, many of these people have been here 10, 15 years and, mm -hmm. and over. I also have, have a, I always elevate through the ranks, if, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, you can start as a busboy and you can become a food runner. And then if you do well, you can become a, 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 a captain or, you know, waiter. We call him captain. And so I always try to elevate from within. I, I do hire. We have to hire now, I mean, obviously, because, sure. uh, you know, it's not like uh, the business is not, the, especially the busboys, that's a, that's a big drag, as I'm sure you've noticed in, in, in your business. I mean, we have a, it's a rotating wheel. Sure. Uh, it's like constantly hiring. The bigger problem is kitchen labor. Yes. As you know, we have a, we have a major problem with sure. kitchen labor. Not enough people and, you know, it's, it, it's not getting any better. How are you, do you have any ideas or how are you thinking of approaching this as we move forward and if it continues to go up? Are you doing a surcharge or any of that? Yeah, I, I was the first to implement a surcharge. I don't know if uh, yeah, you know this. I mean, I, and why not? Sure. I mean, San Francisco has been doing it. See, people say, why don't you increase your prices? Well, simply because the money would not go to the proper place. My surcharge goes directly and only to my hourly employees in the back of the house. If I increase the prices, people here tip 20%. As an average, it's even, it's even a little higher than that. So I increase the price, my captains will get the money. Y yes, I would gross more money, but my captain who are already making 11.50 an hour are gonna get most of that money. Whereas if I charge a 4%, I know that that money is gonna go to the kitchen where it can be because Obviously, they're not sharing with the kitchen. Right. Uh, and just recently, just recently, there is a, a system, of, uh, the law has changed, and I could actually mandate a service charge, and at that point, share with the kitchen. Well, it, it, it's not happening because I use a surcharge, and that way I think the people can still give whatever they want as far as uh, the amount of a percentage of tip. And I'm paying, I can pay better the people in the kitchen. But, I mean, this thing is... It, something is going to burst because we're only 11.50 now. The minute it goes to 13, 14, 15, there's going to be a hecatomb. Yeah. I, I don't know who's going to be able, not, not many, many restaurants will be able to survive. I, rather, I say many, many restaurants will not be able to survive. Yeah, that cut, yeah, yeah the, small, the small guys are really going to have a problem. How was it um, different for you when you went into the space now that you're in it at Mr. A's and, and Bankers Hill. Was that a much different type of clientele than restaurant? Oh God, I was, <laughs> I tell you what, that was scary because at first the old people hated me and the young people wouldn't come because they thought it was still the old Mr. A's. I, it, they still that preconceived idea that, hey, we all fuddy duddy and whatever, but. What was the Mr. A's like before? Mr. A's looked like, uh, it was all red. It looked like the the bordello look that Caesar uh, Caesar's palace had, you know, the in that famous room, the bacchanal. Mm -hmm. You know, they had everything was red, red curtain, red red ceiling, red chairs, and it was the old-fashioned deal. When the the every but the captains are all tuxedo clad, the service was card service, and I took over, and all that went away. Well, it took me six months because I redesigned the whole thing. I redesigned the kitchen, I redesigned the restaurant, and it was like, it was a, it was a nightmare. So we, uh, so that, when I took that over, it took a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I was very lucky because it was, it was touch and go the first year. I'm going, oh, wow, man, this is not working out the way uh, I wanted to. And then with, I don't know, people help the newspaper, of course, magazine, you know, television and things like this, and just plain PR, 
you know, we brought the people into where we are now, which is, you know, we are full every night, yep. pretty much. So, you know, that, and with some uh, long retention there too. I know. Oh my God! Yeah, Stefan, the chef there has mm -hmm. been there ten years. Uh, most most of the employees have been there yep. since we since I started. You know, which is eighteen years ago. Time flies, <laughs> it's amazing. man. So I guess you know I love asking this question too. And somebody who's had this much experience as yourself, what advice would you give to yourself if you could go back to? you know, day one, first restaurant in La Jolla with, you know, potentially so many investors and getting into that project. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back and meet yourself on that first day? What would you tell yourself? Well, I mean, you know, I got to tell you, for me, with zero money coming in, how do you get in business if you don't have those investors? Mm -hmm. I was very lucky, and uh, only in America. I, I know for a fact I would have never been able to do this in France. Uh, you know, right now it costs so much money to open a restaurant. I mean, as you know, you're talking about a re your restaurant where you work right now, six and a half million dollars. I mean, that's you got to pay that money. Yep. You know, Mr. A is four million. You know, it was you got to buy the place and then redo everything it was a lot of money so back back to the question i i don't know i could have done it differently certainly there there are things i would have you know they always thinks you you would do differently but the path was the path i mean i had no choice either i was going to be a waiter for the rest of my life or if i wanted to become an owner I had to go through the suffering years and believe me i was making like 200 bucks a night in dc and I paid myself a thousand dollars a month in 1973. See, the there was a large difference, you know, and working like a dog. And many times I went, "Who? I don't know if this is for me." And then finally, I was able to assume a position when I opened Mon Ami. That was really the fine dining restaurant, and I was a maitre d' and I was a partner. And so that was a completely different story. Then I was able to to make money. I probably could have uh, at that time. I probably could have asked for a couple of investors instead of being a, a minority partner. But I, I mean, really, I don't, I don't have many regrets. I, you know, I did the best I could considering where I come from. Right. And I, you know. What about fast forward, you know, about 10, 12 years later into opening night of Mill Fleur? What would have Oh, that was my dream. To it took me uh, j just a little. I, it took me 10 years. I used to come to this place when it was with a prior, prior owner. And, uh, and I, I wanted that place so bad. I loved the little village. I loved everything about the place. It was called Millefleur, as you see, because that's the name of the, of, uh, the, the, the wall, the, <laughs> the tile on the wall. It's the name of the pattern. And so I, oh God, man, I wanted that place so bad. And I, and I begged, frankly, and I paid more money than I should have ever paid. I paid 250 grand in 1985 to get this place with a liquor license and everything. I mean, it was, it was a lot of money, but more than I should have paid, but I wanted it bad. And I did the same process with Mr. Ace. It took me 10 years to acquire Mr. Ace. At the time, because I used to talk to the owner, Mr. Alessio, John Alessio, Uncle John, Mr. A, that's what the restaurant is, Mr. Ace. And he wanted to be 51% partners. And I go like, no, I'm not gonna do this. He didn't want me to change the decor. He just wanted me to be the maitre d', which is what I was doing here. Already I said, no, nah, 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 not a chance for that. And only upon his death, dealing with his inheritors, was I able to, to buy the place. So, you know, you gotta, I wish he had gone faster, mm -hmm. but you know, 
It patience. is what it is. Patience, patience. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not very patient, <laughs> but I'm like a dog with a bone. When I had my bone, I wouldn't let go of it, right. you know? <laughs> so that's, uh, this, this is a story of, uh, of this. Uh, once I had it, I mean, you had no idea. Open over and I, I, I had that vision. Well, they had no flowers. They had this, but no flowers. So I said, okay, there'll be big flowers everywhere. There'll be carpeting because it was, there, there was styling, was loud. You know, and there were no tablecloth. It was just, they would just everything on paper mats and stuff. Although they had a very good chef. Um, but I brought my chef, I brought my people, and it was an overnight success. I mean, really, it was. Because when I opened, I mean, I've had 300 bucks on my account. I mean, this was everything I owned, every single penny that I owned in the world the, the day that I opened. So. I was, oh man, I was like, you know, seat of the pants. Pretty much the same thing at Mr. Ace. After I spent all that money, you know, I was, I was completely, I was completely empty. Going like, oh my God, I hope this works. And it's got to be one of the best feelings though, to see it go full circle. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything you have into it and seeing it come to fruition. Luck, hard work, you know, you can't, (laughs) uh, you can't, you know, you can't beat that. But you gotta have luck too. I know a lot of great people that work extremely hard that were that were unable to make it. This restaurant is business is a beast, okay? As you know, mm-hmm. long hours, you know, and at the mercy of the customer whether they have good taste or not. Yep. <laughs> so you know, you gotta be and always say yes, sir. Of course, sir. I'll be happy to do so. You know, and and do it with a smile, right? Which you know has not been a problem for me. I love people. That's really the essence of uh, why I'm in this business. And I think that's what makes it easy to be able to do that with people is if you actually do care about them. You don't have to force it all the time or else that would just be a burden too heavy to carry. Well, lastly, Bertrand, what do you think is next for you? Boy, you know, uh, I say, you know, I just turned 70. And uh, yeah, and I have uh, 12 years to go on my lease at Mr. A's. And I say, I don't know. I mean, should I? Should I go? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. Obviously, I'm gonna be 82 when the lease expires. So I don't know. Should I add another another 10 years to the deal? You know, I say I don't know. Do I mean, I, I certainly <laughs> I, I'll say that I'm gonna stay involved and I'm gonna keep on working because otherwise I'll be dead. I cannot stay home. Stay I have busy. to be with people. And, and you know, the thing about Mr. A's, I love. We do a lot of business, but a lot of people I don't know. We have a lot of parties. We have a lot of tourism. And we do have quite a few regulars, you know, and it's always nice to see them. But when I come back to Millefleur at 8 o'clock at night or 7.30, you know, after I, I leave Mr. A's, boom, I mean, I know everybody, you know, and that's such a pleasure. I'm really in the hood, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been here since 85. It's such a small community. And pretty much we deal with regulars. I would say like 80% of the clientele is regular. Right. You know, 20% people we don't know. It's uh, every night is like a feast, you know? So. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, listen, I have to thank you. I, honestly, I think there's, um, you know, there's so much interesting things happening in San Diego right now. There's so many passionate people that are coming up. And, you know, I even work with a lot of guys outside of our immediate restaurant group that we're all really hungry to take San Diego to the next level and continue to kind of, you know, as the saying goes, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. And we're trying to really work and collaborate with each other a lot too. So 
Um, but it couldn't be done with people like yourself as a pioneer to kind of get this ball rolling and, and bring these type of things yeah. to San Diego. I was lucky so. to be the first, man, but I yeah. wouldn't mind being back now as a young <laughs> man because the scene has exploded and a lot of good things are happening. It's you guys in your group. I mean, Juniper and Ivy mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for it, you yeah. know, for what, what they do there. A lot. Of, I mean, Kettner Exchange, they have a lot. I mean, I, they have so many. I'm, I'm going to be a trust, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. They food there. A, lot of, a lot of good guys, a lot of good things being done. And yeah. uh, that, that makes me feel good. Now, fine dining, as, as it goes, I, I, I think, you know, I mean, I. On my deathbed, I'll be with a tablecloth, and uh, <laughs> I'll be with a tablecloth and the expensive wine list, and uh, right. and you know, and 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 the service that I want. But I I don't know. It's just you know, I thought that never end. Everything is cyclical, you know. Mm -hmm. I assume you know, but dress codes is a problem, yep. you know. I, I, and I don't know how you guys deal with that, but here we have. We always have a problem, and you know, thank God I have a bar of what we call the found room where I put the people with shorts. But you know, it just I cringe. You see people coming, fine dining with short and a t-shirt and flip flops. You know, so I, we don't even take them at Mr. A's. We, yeah. you know, I mean, and they get pissed off at me and they yelp me to death. Yep. You know, so and I hope the people when they read the fact that we get a one because I refuse service to the people looking like crap. I hope the people pay attention to why, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. you get a one star. Exactly. So anyways, that, that's something that bothers me about the dress code and, and restaurants. So, because I'm sure there's a place, if you want to dress up, you have a special occasion, you have a special person, you want to take them to a restaurant where it's going to be not as loud, you know, when you can converse, right. and when you can look good and right. show off your date, you know, just show off yourself. Be proud of, you know, that you're having dinner in a fine dining establishment. Anyways, that's the way I look at it. Obviously, yeah. it's a little, uh, a little, it's been tainted now. It's obscure, you know, by, by trend, I guess, you know. Yeah. But again, as I say, I think everything is cyclical and probably it'll happen again, you know. Yeah. Maybe they'll put a jacket on again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, Vertan. I can't thank you enough Thank for you the very time. much. It's been a pleasure. Nice talking with you. Hey, thanks again, guys, for watching Hospitality TV. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're actually now live on iTunes podcast, too, so make sure to go there. Subscribe, leave a comment and a rating, leave any of your thoughts, let us know what you think. We'll see you soon. Thanks again.